The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Hey, welcome to my last podcast for 2020. So morale seems to be low around the Cubs and their offseason vibe. So what a great opportunity it was talking with director of morale for the Chicago Cubs, otherwise known as Dom Frederick. He tells me why hopes are still high for the Northsiders, how he started interacting with Ian Happ on the Compound podcast, and are the Cubs going too corporate? We get into that and a lot more, so don't want to miss this one. You can follow Dom on Twitter and Instagram at Dom underscore Frederick and at Morale Supply Co. Dom, my man, what the hell is up? How are you doing? Nothing much. Um, obviously, it was a or it's been an interesting two weeks or so uh, with Theo, Kyle, Pretty much the whole gang, uh, not really, but Len, um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a, you know, different time compared to the vibe the last couple of years, specifically in the off season. So we're making it through, uh, but it doesn't mean that some of the losses have hurt a little bit. Uh, some realities set in regarding the team, whatever it may, whatever it may be. Uh, some people's feelings might be hurt a little bit, but Overall, I'm doing well, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before kind of getting into the Cubs and all that, so I was curious. So, uh, so basically, you became like the you know director of morale, the huge Twitter presence over like the last five years or so, right? Yeah, I've been doing this for next season will be my um, eighth season, kind of tweeting about the Cubs doing whatever you want to, however you want to describe what I do, uh, tweet you know, make, I don't know, stupid jokes, content, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So next year is going to be my eighth season doing it. Yeah. And it's kind of built every single year. It's, um, I've been lucky, lucky enough to have people that understand what I'm getting at and understand the jokes and understand the sarcasm, the shtick, so on and so forth. So with that, you gain and build a little bit of equity over time. And uh, luckily enough, people have continued to follow along and stay loyal. So I'm very appreciative for that. Yeah, I know you're definitely one of the, uh, I think I started really paying attention. I mean, I've been on Twitter for the last, I don't know, five years, I guess. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like I really started paying attention maybe this past season. And, uh, and you know, I know you're a friend of the sky is falling. I've I've been on their podcast. I had Cody on yeah. mine. Uh, I know you uh, were on the compound. I was listening to a couple mm-hmm. episodes last night, doing some light research. So uh, yeah. So how I guess was it just from the Twitter or like how did it kind of how did you kind of get to the point where you're kind of like you know able to chat or you know do your thing with like Ian Happ or Schwarber or you know how did that kind of come? Yeah, about? I mean, you know what it's been it's honestly been organic i try to stay out of out of people's ways uh to an extent now obviously i do you know make jokes or have running jokes with players um and maybe get in there i I don't want to say get in their business but do kind of troll them a little bit over time uh but that's really for the players that i've had interactions with in the past or 
they've just been big leaguing me. Uh, for example, Ian, uh, who finally fessed up to it. But anyways, it's really just um, honestly, you just building the whole uh, content side of what I do, and then that kind of latches on, and more people reach out, and you meet different people online, and then in person, and um, and then the world word kind of gets around and. Luckily enough, I've had some good breaks in the past with meeting some and get building relationships with some uh, people in Chicago media and players, so on and so forth. So honestly, it's just been uh, built up organically. I try my hardest to give the players their space, even though I do have some sticks and I troll at times. So, um, but other than that, it's just been organic and um, that's kind of how I like to keep it. Yeah, I love that it's I love that. I love how it came together organically, just kind of doing mm-hmm. your thing and it's become a huge following. So that's that's really cool. It's you know, yeah. it kind of gives me, you know, I'm just doing this shit for like hobby. Uh it's a passion project. The whole podcast thing just took a life of its own this past year, but you know, it's yeah. cool to just reach out, talk with different people. Um that's just what I've been doing is just chatting with like from like Dan Shulman on ESPN to you or Bleacher Nation or whoever. So it's been cool to just kind of chat and pick their brain and it's cool that you've been able to become a huge following. So that's, that's really awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I would say the same thing for myself. This is a, a I don't know if it's a passion project. It's a creative outlet. It's something for me to uh, get away from normal life and, you know, make jokes. I think people um, often get confused on what I do and what it's all about. If you don't pay attention uh, pretty thoroughly the main point is this is always going to be driven by humor. I feel I, I am, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I do feel like in a sense, the way I go about it is stand-up comedy-esque uh, because I'm trying out new jokes. I'm coming up with new things. And I'm also, I also um, have confidence in myself to where I'm going to make jokes that fall totally flat and no one's going <laughs> to understand it. And that's, and that's kind of the fun of it. So it's not all about, I mean, it is about the Cubs, but a lot, what I feel like I've done differently is I've tried not to be as overly objective and I've tried to toe the line between, you know, sarcasm and then a little bit of, you know, insight on the team, but I don't want to act like I have this, you know, huge head in terms of all, you know, I'm all knowing from a baseball perspective. Grant, I do have a big ego on Twitter, but um, overall, it's just kind of to, you know, make people laugh and enjoy their favorite team and kind of build a community. I feel like we've done a good job of that for this will be, as I said before, the eighth season coming up. Yeah, like right alongside Theo's, uh, his reign, basically. But yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, I on Twitter, I'm I feel like I kind of get an ego, but in a fun way. Uh, so I feel mm-hmm. that I feel the sarcasm. I love the sarcasm and all that in general. So keep doing your thing. But yeah, so jumping into the off season, and obviously we still have a ways to go. But mm-hmm. uh, so I know in general that uh, you're not exactly you're not exactly for maybe a rebuild, but you would that you understand the hard decisions that might be made, and of course one's already yeah. been made with your guy Schwarber. So put on your GM cap. If you were Jets new GM running the team, uh, forget the finance. I mean, obviously financials play a part, but if you, 
if you could uh, basically put together this team for next season, what would your what would you be looking to do? I mean, would you be thinking about uh, not a rebuild, but maybe a retooling here or there, but still trying to be competitive or just like, hey, let's spend the money that we know we have. I know they said they don't have it, but it's a whole other thing. But yeah, what would your mindset be? I think the biggest thing, and I've talked about before, is really diversifying the lineup. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be a guy who's going to sit here and say we need to trade off all our players. Absolutely not. That's not the the message that I'm trying to promote. It is though that considering the market suppression and the fact that there are so many players that were not tendered, decline club options, so on and so forth, there is a ample uh, opportunity for teams to supplement their roster in ways they never had before. Um, and I think that's a very exciting, uh, you know, time for our team to be in. I think in terms of extensions, I think you need to, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to move forward, I think you need to extend at least two of the core four guys that are left, um, at least two. Um, if not, then, you know, if you, if you're going to write it out fine, the one thing we also have to take into account is because the economy is in the tank and because the economics around baseball, like I said before, are suppressed. And as we see a guy like Kyle Schwarber gets not tendered because there was no real trade opportunities for him. And the league basically was like, well, we're just going to, you know, unless we're, we're calling your bluff right now because we know you don't want to pay him so on and so forth. So, um, who knows if Chris Bryant can even see a $100 million deal moving forward. Same thing for Javier Baez. That could open up the opportunity to re-sign those players. But to get to the core of what we need, we need guys who can make contact and produce on top of that. I know that sounds so generic. That sounds such a – it's such a meatball take. But it's really the truth. You need guys like Nico Horner who can put the ball in play, uh, produce on top of that. You needed a guy like Albert Almora – Obviously, he's not tendered, but it was so critical for him. If he ever took that next step, it would have been huge for this team because of his contact skills. Exactly why Jason Hayward this year, uh, why it was huge for him to you know step up and have the offensive season that he did because he has the uh, contact profile that fits what I'm talking about. Um, Rizzo as well. So, listen, you're going to really struggle moving forward in this league when you have two through five striking out between 27 to 30% of the time. Granted, we were just in a shortened season, 60 games. That's a really small sample size. And obviously, uh, you know, the negative aspects of our lineup peaked at the worst moments, but uh, that's the biggest thing. And, and, and then when we're thinking about the pitching, you have a lot of Good young arms coming up. I'm really excited about Burt. I'm super excited about Braylon, obviously. Um, you know, Alec Mills is looks like a guy who can be a staple at the back end of the rotation. And then, obviously, you have Bad News who can still do this for, you know, I'm not going to say five or six years, but the way he's shown, the way he's spinning the ball, the way he's not relying on the fastball so much is critical to his long-term success. And finally, Kyle Hendricks is one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball. So, I feel like you have the opportunity from the pitching standpoint to take that next step um, and stay competitive in the NL Central. It's not like the Cardinals or Brewers are going to do anything um, or the, you know, obviously the Pirates aren't um, so on and so forth. The Reds are losing Bauer. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities yeah. moving forward with this team. Just is going to be a matter of whether the money they end up not spending is going to be allocated to or reall reallocated in other parts of our lineup. Um, but that's to be determined.
Yeah, I know you mentioned that you did not want to see the Cubs not tender or move a guy just to improve the bottom line. Yeah. Wanted, and like me, I want to see it improved on the in the team on the field. Absolutely. So yeah, talking about yeah, talking about like you know, like you said, the sixty game season, I mean, it's so hard to try to assess players and numbers and you know, like Happ and Hayward were were awesome for the Cubs mm-hmm. last season, but then Brian and Baez were the exact opposite. I feel like over full 162, at least I would hope that, you know, Brian and Baez would have been better. You know, they were just so, and there was just so much stuff at play with COVID and off the field and whatever they might've been going through. So it's, but yeah, I mean, obviously though, regardless, the Cubs have to make their decisions as they, you know, go forward. Um, I don't know. We've heard the rumors. I've asked everybody what they think with the Bryant and, you know, whether it's Brian or Baez or whoever, do you think a guy, do you think they would end up? trading Bryant uh whether whether this offseason or maybe even at the trade deadline next year or do you still hold out hope that he'll actually still be back I mean I I hope that he's still gonna be back I would not be surprised at all if he is gonna get traded that doesn't mean I don't think he can still be a uh really good player moving forward I think what keep what I keep holding on to with Chris Bryant is the fact that he has the or he has the potential to and he's shown that he has the skill set that is necessary for this lineup. I'm not saying he's Christian Yelich. I'm not saying he's uh, Ronald Acuna or some of the top elite hitters now, like he potentially was four years ago. I'm not saying that he is, but he's pro. He's proven in the past that he can put the ball in play. He obviously can hit for power. He hasn't done so as much of late. He still had a really good 2019. So I'm still not ruling out that there could get an an extension could be done. I'm not saying that's likely. I'm just saying the fact that his profile really does fit what this team needs moving forward and nothing to knock against Javi. I think he's a great player, but his skills are kind of what the Cubs want to stray away from moving forward in terms of big swing and miss, uh, you know, lack of contact, lack of discipline, so, so on and so forth. Um, with these big stretches where, as we saw in 2019, granted, I'm sorry, 2020, granted, small sample size, I get it. His weakness is uh, really what's hurt the Cubs over the past, you know, three or so years. The fact that we haven't been able to put the ball in play at times, at critical moments, produce on top of that, we understand the picture. So I hope there's the opportunity for Chris to come back. I still think the player in a vacuum, objectively fits this team in the long term. Granted, he needs to stay healthy. He needs to really show that he can hit for power again, so on and so forth. Um, But I still believe in the player. I've always been a big fan, and we'll see what happens. If if he does get traded, hopefully we can get something back in uh, in return. But my respect and uh, reverence towards Chris Bryant's career as a Cub is uh, very high. Yeah, I mean, the dude was killing it in 15, 16, obviously, 17. He was really good. Yep. You said 19. I mean, and I just, I don't know if it's the injuries. I, I mean, that doesn't help, of course. But um, mm-hmm. it's just a shame because, like, I thought in 16, after 16, I thought, uh, I wasn't saying it was Mike Trout, but I was like, he might be the second best player in baseball, maybe yeah. now or at least over the next couple of But, you know, it's just... It's been a shame ever since I always go back to 18 when he hit when he had, had that ball, you know, in the head against the Rockies. I always go back yep. to that. Whether or not that played a part doesn't again, it doesn't help. <laughs> it hurts, but uh 
at least physically. But I mean, I don't know. And I know he's it's the shoulder and whatever else, but hopefully he can just be healthy. And yeah, it's it sucks because if it's a guy like Bryant or even Baez or whoever, I, I, it just feels like the Cubs would be selling low because of the situation. Obviously, you, you mentioned economically or even just what are teams going to give up? So, yeah, like you said, we just kind of have to watch how it plays plays out and hope for the best, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see what happens. I, I'm still a big fan of Chris and hopefully something can get worked out. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if we've uh, reached that breaking point or we're past that breaking point. Um, but above all else, I'm a huge fan of the guy. What he's done for this team is uh, incredible and we'll see what happens moving forward. And, you know, talking about contact hitters, I mean, it, it's hard for me to not think back to Zobris because the dude was such a professional hitter. Yeah. He just brought it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, of course they miss a guy like that anyway. Great leader and clubhouse presence. Hope Zobrist is uh, just doing well these days. In general, yeah, I, it would be nice to see guys like Nico. You know, I had Bleacher Nation on a couple podcasts ago, and, you know, yeah. he was kind of thinking about guys like, uh, you know, in the development phase of things, you know, obviously we didn't have a minor league season this past year. Um, you know, he was saying that a guy like Nico probably could have benefited from time to just get more seasoning. But yeah, I'm hoping to see a guy like Nico um, just continue to develop. You mentioned the pitching. And yeah, I mean, the Cubs won the division. I know that we're looking bigger picture, but it kind of feels like lately it feels like a funeral around the team and there's still a playoff. They're still a playoff team. I know the central is great. Uh, but yeah, you're the director of morale. So, I mean, like you said, the NL central, uh, there's really no clear cut favorite. So if guys just, if they can rebound, like we've seen them do in the past. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about a cellar dweller or anything like that. So no way. Dude, I'm t- I mean, you know what? Everyone wants to paint the picture. It's the reality. It's human nature, right? When yeah. things are going great, you want to, uh, you know, act upon that. You want to be a part. You want to be. You want to be in the party, right? Everyone's having a good time. When things are going bad, misery loves company, and you know, everyone wants to uh, dwell in their sorrows together. We are not at that point. You cannot tell me the Cardinals are doing anything major. You can't tell me the Brewers are any- doing anything major except giveaway you know, season tickets. If that ever happens again, if we ever get fans of the Sands, the Dick Ballers are the Dick Ballers. The Pirates are one of the worst organizations in baseball. Now, am I painting this great picture for our division? No. For winning division, uh, does it maybe hold the same weight as it would if you won the, you know, NL West or the AL East? No. Sure. I understand that, but it's still a division and uh, we should still be proud that they, that they won it this year and they have had the opportunity to go to the playoffs. I hope they can continue to build on that. I think they can continue to build on that in a retooling situation, not a rebuilding phase. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about you. I um, I go back to uh, 2019. I was kind of at that point where I was like, not rebuild, but retool. I was like, maybe see what they might be able to maneuver at the, tr- the trade deadline, not sacrifice the future or the next couple of years, but see what they might be able to do. Kind of like a mini Yankee rebuild or retool, I should mm-hmm. say, in 16. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you never want to not make the playoffs, but at the same time, it's like, well, maybe there's a chance here. Now, I'm not saying to, to trade anybody. I'm not saying to trade a guy like Darvish, but I've definitely thought just in general, if they were able to get some kind of haul back to capitalize on his, uh, you know, his value right now, 
Not yeah. to say not to say I want to trade him, but like I could see where maybe a guy like that fetches what you might need going forward. But what would you rather, like you said before, that the rotation is kind of looking good, at least you know potentially. Uh, but would you consider that kind of moving Darvish if the right deal could pop up? Listen, I love bad news, and I'm never going to say there are players that are untradeable. The thing that always goes back to me, though, is if you really look at you, if you're objectively looking at you and you're not just looking at his age, and I understand these pitchers as they get older, you know, fastball diminishes, naturally your ERA is going to raise with every mile per hour that goes down on your fastball, so on and so forth. I understand it, but you has proven if you are objectively looking at what he's doing, how he's getting hitters out, he is not doing it off of the fastball. The fastball is the third or fourth pitch that he's using, and he's normally utilizing it at the end of the game. So he's just like, it's just kind of sitting in the tank. What he's doing right now is cutter, slider, 87 to 88 mile an hour cutter, the slider, the curveball, the couple different curveballs, a couple different sliders. It's all about spin. And the fact that he's doing it and he doesn't have to rely on the fastball up in the zone like other pitchers are, like the Justin Verlanders, like the Garrett Coles, like the Blake Snells, so on and so forth. I can go on and on the high elite level pitchers who just blow guys away. He's not doing it. He's doing it in a different way. He's almost doing it in a way like Kyle Hendricks has shown throughout his Cubs tenure. A guy you can throw the two-seamer and the changeup off of it, now uh, supplementing the curveball. But Kyle's kind of like a knuckleballer in the sense that he doesn't have to over- overpower guys. He's, he's not creating too much strain on his arm, on his body. He's not overtaxing himself, so on and so forth. And you is proving that right now. It doesn't mean that pitching isn't hard. It doesn't mean there are going to be diminishing returns in the future. But unless you can tell me you're going to get back a haul that can uh, be anywhere close to what you're going to get out of you over the next three years, in my opinion, and I believe objectively, then I, I find it very hard-pressed to say, yeah, let's get rid of them. Because I guarantee mm-hmm. you, the rest of the MLB teams are going to say, well, are we really going to trade for – are we really going to give up this massive haul for a 35, 34, 35-year-old 35 right. pitcher? Does that make sense? It, it doesn't really if you're another team who doesn't know you, so on and so forth. We're getting the picture here. It's, it, it, it would be kind of like a Justin Verlander case where – like you think he has more left and then you don't get enough back if you're the Tigers. And then we see what happened, you know, in, in Houston with Verlander. So unless that's the case, I I'm not really down for that because the Tigers didn't get what they wanted in return. So I'd much rather hang on to bad news when we still have the opportunity to win. If you retool in different ways, you don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the league. You don't know if the Cubs are going to go out in a year and sign a big free agent. All these variables are in play just because the outlook right now in this specific offseason may be a little bit down or the fact that we probably aren't going to be big spenders like we were in 15 and 16, um, it doesn't mean that those things can't change. And obviously, U.S. has three more years on his deal. Kyle has a lot more years left. We, we, we get the whole picture. There's a lot of opportunity to change things up. Um, so if, if it's not an absolute haul, which I don't think – I personally don't think there would be that big of a haul to come back for you. And I'm a huge fan of the guy. He's bad right. news, man. But unless it's unless it's a big haul, I, I just would I, – I, I wouldn't like just giving him up just because he's old. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the only the only 
probably the if they were ever actually going to do that, it would probably be like at the, at the trade deadline if a team was like, we need this yeah. one guy to, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying too. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I hope that, you know, talking about Hendricks, uh, I, I love Hendricks also because I love, you know, like you said, he doesn't have to overpower, uh, but I just have so much respect for the way Hendricks has pitched in big games, you know, the, the pennant, mm-hmm. clincher, the World Series. Uh, I mean, you know, I know he sometimes, whatever, for whatever reason, he'll be off a little bit, but he always, I feel like he always can rebound. He always finds that other, you know, that other level that he needs or whatever. He figures out, he makes the adjustments. So I always, I like, I like Hendricks a lot as well. Him and Darvish can, uh, you know, if they're still there, obviously they can both lead that division or that rotation like they've been doing. Yes. So, you know. He's been absolute. He's been an absolute godsend for this team ever since he showed up. I mean, the fact that he's been as consistent as he's been. He's a three to four win F four guy every single year, and it just goes unnoticed on an annual basis. And I, I, I can't say enough about the guy. I mean, has there ever been an issue with Kyle Hendricks on the field, off the field, whatever it may be? He's like the perfect. He's just like the perfect producer who's obviously not a, you know, star. He's not an elite pitcher, but man, he's pretty close. And uh, he has the opportunity to continue to do so because he's not relying on the fastball, man. It's not about 97, 98. It's about whatever it is, 86, the 87 with the awesome changeup. And now he's supplementing things with the curveball. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I think he can do it for honestly, probably the, I mean, I would bet, personally, when you're thinking about all the Cubs pitchers and you're going to say, who's going to be the best in, let's say, seven years, unless you're throwing, like, Braylon into that mix and maybe even Burt, I still think Kyle's up there because of what he can do, how repeatable it is, and how consistent he's been over the stretch of – I mean, he's been been on the Cubs since 2014. He's been doing the same thing for six, seven years, and nothing's really changed, so – it's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really excited to see him moving forward. Yeah, I, I yeah, I love watching what he does. I yeah, I see him just continuing to hopefully just do what he's been doing, and even just get even better, you know, as he goes. I mean, he's still pretty yeah. young. So you you live near Wrigley, right? Yeah, I just live a little. Uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not right by the stadium. It's just a uh, just a little north, but um, you know, I obviously live uh, you know, in Cook County, whatever you want to call it, not far away. So I'm in around Wrigleyville a lot if I'm driving through always make sure I stop by take a little time to reflect I wish I drove down the other day with some of the fans who were going out to left field patting the patting the left field wall on Waveland uh to uh commemorate Kyle's career as a Cub uh, but yeah I, I live pretty close yeah I, I was curious what your thoughts have been I guess with the construction around Wrigley and all the new stuff yeah. that they've been doing. Uh, do you like, I mean, I, I, I'm not in Chicago, mm-hmm. so I can't, I don't know if I can really comment, but I was, I was going to say, I, I just feel like sometimes I think was, I think in general, all the new stuff that they've been able to do and build up has been really cool. At the same time, I just wonder, and this even goes with the marquee network and I'm sure that network is going to get better and better as it goes. But mm-hmm. I loved WGN. I, I grew up with in Ohio. I was watching the Cubs yeah. on WGN. Even that theme song resonates with me. So it's like, I, I just wonder, I called into my guys, Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000 last night. And I was like, you know, I feel like the team, sometimes I feel like it's going a little bit corporate, getting away maybe from their brand identity a little bit. What are your thoughts, I guess, with the ownership? Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. I do think it's getting a little corporate. Um, I think there are aspects where 
they can be a little bit more understanding of what the fans want. Now, at the same time, I'm also not naive and someone who is opposed to progress. Like, I understand that things have to change. I understand that they need to build specific things up to create new revenue streams, to, you know, pay for, you know, high salary, so on. I get it. I, I understand it. I do think, though, that you have to continue the charm and you have to understand. And, you know, I, I want to prep because I was got going a little – I don't think I was going too hard, but I was going a little hard at the whole marquee thing yesterday. And I do think there is a point to where – and, again, people were people were getting mad at me because I kept bringing up the suits. You know, it, is it is it necessarily about the suits? No, but it's about the image that you are portraying to your fans. And I know this for a fact. And there are better fans than me. I'm not saying, like, uh, of course, I'm a super fan. But there are people who will not leave Wrigleyville for their whole lives. They will live in studio apartments in Wrigleyville because they know deep in their hearts, they're like, I cannot live anywhere else. This team means that much to me. I cannot cannot live outside of Wrigleyville. This is me. I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. I'm going to die here. And that is truly what the Cubs need to understand and, what's Mar- and what Marquis needs to understand. Here in the city, the Cubs, obviously, with the, uh, with the increase in infrastructure, the building of the foundation of, of what he did through his 10 years here, it created the expectation to win. The lovable losers are gone. But at the same time, this is a fan base and an organization that is built on fun. It's, a bu- it's built on being down to earth. It's built on humor, Harry Carey, you understand it, all these different parts of the team's history that can't be overlooked. And when you put your your main two guys in suits, like this is some East Coast corporate Wall Street meeting, it pisses a lot of fans off. And I feel bad for the fans that literally spend like – hard-earned money that they don't even have on-season tickets on their studio apartments to live a block away from the stadium because this team means that much to them. And the Cubs still – and again, I'm not trying to be too critical, but you have to understand, this is not the North Shore, Winneka, you know, uh, Kenilworth. That is not the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs is Clark, Addison, uh, Edgewater – uh, you know, Lincoln Park, Lakeview. It's those hard grinder people, Roscoe Village, who stay in this town that live in city limits that want to support this team because that's all they know. And that's truly all they care about. And they will spend ample amount of money to just go to a game, pay for the high ticket prices. When you go corporate on guy, and when you go corporate on the fans, it really pisses people off. And it pissed me off. And I, I still am frustrated about it that they are doing it. And I understand the progress. I understand they needed to build out Clark Street. I, I get it. I'm not necessarily mad about that. What I am frustrated is the fact that they have looked over the hardworking Chicagoan, the person that pays their hard-earned money that they don't have to support this team, to live in the area, to say they're a Cubs fan, and grow the relationship and have the best relationship like they always talk about with the fans. You have to understand that. I know I've gone on a long tangent about it, but it has to be said at times that you cannot go corporate on the Chicago Cubs and this, and, and, and this, and these people that live here 
Um, and I feel bad for them when they kind of get pushed out. And I don't want to, I don't mean to use the word gentrification, but it's almost this social gentrification where the, it, it becomes a little bit too high class and you're pushing out the, the hard earned, you know, the hardworking Chicagoan who just wants to be part of the scene like they have been for the last 50 years. So hopefully that changes. Hopefully the ownership and the people that are making the shots understand that. Hopefully listen to this podcast, Will, and, 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 yeah. and, think, and think about um, how they think and act moving forward to accommodate that fan that, that I've been talking about and have gone on this tangent on for the last five minutes. Well, I'm glad I asked you that because, you know, I, I, I got I to get the credit to uh, actually another friend who was kind of the one that put that image in my mind about mm-hmm. the corporate aspect of it because she lives in Chicago or Indiana, I think now, but she was the one that was kind of bringing that up. And ever since then, I was like, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, mm-hmm. it just feels something's a little... And like you said, I get progress. I get it. Um, yep. I'm sure, you know, everything is it's growing pains right now or whatever. But at the same time, you know, WGN, everybody goes back to that. And it's like, don't lose that that brand identity. I mean, they're exactly. always going to be the Cubs. But at the same time, we know we, we remember what it was like, even in the in the lean years, you still had that that certain brand and all that that image. Yeah. And, I, you know, I. And again, this this is this might not be the best comparison, but for myself, I've always tried to take into account the people that follow along, the people that are loyal, and the people that you know have interacted, so on and so forth. And if I went totally against what the people wanted, and I started doing you know all these things that are out of character, and they kind of push out the the common fan. Then people will get pissed off, and you all, and you have to accommodate the people that have been most loyal to you. Not always just the dollar signs, and not you know all the all the you know uh, the new spending opportunities. That it's not about that. It's about the people that are loyal, the people that care about this team, the people that will stay up you know for a twenty inning game on a Tuesday night in in whatever April just to see what happens to this team. Because there are so many fans like that. And that's what I've learned doing this is how passionate these fans are. Um, And I don't think Cubs fans get enough credit. I might be on my high horse and naive saying that. I might be too biased saying that. But I don't think Cubs fans get enough credit for being as passionate, as intentive, as, uh, you know, educated about the game as other fan bases do. Maybe it's just a Midwest thing, level blues or, you know, shtick that's been going with this team for a while but i don't think these fans get enough credit and it's unfortunate at times yeah i definitely feel that yeah and i de- i definitely need to get back to chicago i've been there twice in my life and i've gotten the one so i, I see i see yeah. the cubs when they're i'm in, i'm in virginia so i see the cubs when they come okay. to dc and i saw them in baltimore back in like 17 i think it was i want to say it was the day right before Quintana made his debut for the Cubs. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've been to Wrigley once and I was there in 2001 when they, the, the day that they acquired Fred McGriff. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome looking at Wrigley from 2001 to now. And even with the board, I, I actually like, I was kind of against the, the video boards going up, but I like them because they look good. At least in my mind, they look good. And they, they seem to still blend in with the stadium, but at the same time, that stadium is yeah. the same. It doesn't change. Like it's, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a national landmark, but Absolutely. you know, it's it's awesome to see how how much even though while things change, they look the same. So it's been that's still cool too. Well, it, and and what's important too is for people like you who live uh, on the other side of the country who support this team, they go to 
games when they're in their regional area, whatever it may be. Like you have to be accommodating to those people too. And, and the fact that there are so many Cubs fans out there that will literally do anything to simply see their team, uh, the Cubs play. And again, I just really hope that the Chicago Cubs do not always go to the dollar sign instead of, you know, a common fan. And I think, and the last thing I'm going to say about this, and I understand this and I have, you know, I haven't been too critical on it, but when you go to the dollar sign, all right. And meaning like the sponsorships, whatever it may be, corporate, whatever you want to call it. And you go two off seasons in a row and not spend anything. When you have these fans that have been literally, as I said before, paying tooth and nail for season tickets, whatever it may be, Cubs convention, so on and so forth. You're going to make a lot of people mad. You're going to make a lot of people mad. And I understand that when you're corporate, we're going to make Clark Street Disneyland. But you don't go out the two seasons where you have your your core four and your you know foundational pieces that Theo put together, and you don't go out and spend like even the you know the the mid tier free agent, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, right. make a lot of people mad, and I totally totally understand the frustration when fans say that. Yeah, like I I, I got it. I mean, like I understood not signing Machado or Harper, but. Yeah. Like you said, two years of not spending, and you think, okay, nothing against Daniel Descalso, and I know he was hurt, but you know, you're not you're not moving the needle when you just signed a guy like Descalso or Souza. Absolutely, you have to actually, you know, like you said, the Dodgers win the World Series; they have unlimited resources, and they still want to add to it. That's what people, you know, we're yeah. not saying we have to to sign every top free agent, but like you said, at least show put that money back in the team yeah. on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know the Cubs have spent a lot of money on the Wrigley, Wrigley renovations. I'm not naive to that. I know the salary's been large. I know they went and they signed Craig Kimber. I know all the players that – trust me, I know. But when there are opportunities in the offseason too, like I've been talking about at the beginning of the podcast, to supplement your roster in ways that are critical to the team's success, the integral pieces – I'm not saying you need to go sign a Ben Zover. So we saw what a guy of his skill set could do for this team. And you don't add upon that, then fans are going to get mad. And I, and I totally understand where they're coming from. Yeah, definitely. Before I let you go, and this has been awesome, by the way, before I let you yeah, go. Absolutely. Uh, so I know <laughs> I was listening to, like I said before, I, I was listening to your, uh, when you were on the sky is falling, you were talking about uh, when you went on Hap on the compound and Hap, was just kind of like cold at first to you yeah. and you were just like oh my god so, so uh, what's 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 it been like to uh obviously interact you know guys with with pap and just you know just kind of doing your thing yeah uh, i mean listen i i like i said before i don't i never thought there would be um uh i would have the opportunity to do so uh luckily enough zach and i have uh zach short from the podcast and I have mutual friends and we started talking and uh, I think a lot of fan, I think a lot of people on Twitter, if, unless they follow for a long time, I think there's this preconceived notion of me that I'm this like wild man, crazy person off my rocker, you know, like he's just a total nut job. And I might be, but I also am, I, I, I can, I'm a reasonable person, right? I'm not like this total nut job. 
even though I might be a little crazy. But anyway, so we're talking like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Oh, you know this guy, so on and so forth. And then just kind of threw it out there, like what, how long is Ian going to big league me for? And then I got the opportunity. And it's been great ever since, just being able to talk you know, outside of Twitter and, you know, hear his thoughts on what he wants to do. I'll give all of them um, so much credit for being open to, uh, you know, having these conversations with fans that they don't know, having the opportunity to, to, or giving me the opportunity to talk to them. Um, But Ian, Ian's really cool, man. He, he has a lot of other interests outside the game. I think he, what he's gone through in his personal life, as well as uh, in his major league career, he he really puts things into perspective and understands the opportunity that he has. And I think a lot of times with big leaguers, they truly don't understand that. Granted, they, they, they could be very thankful for the opportunity that they have, but I think Ian, above all the players that I've seen or really paid attention to, interact, interacted with whatever it may be, he really knows that like his career could be over in a year, uh, six months, whatever it may be. And he's always kind of planning ahead for what his next step is. And he's very thankful for everyone he uh, interacts with and obviously thankful to play the game of baseball. So it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we, well, we will continue to build a relationship. I know I joke about that, but um, it's it, it's been great. And I'm very thankful for them. And I think for me, Personally, I've always, every time I've gone on the show, I've always just uh, hoped that I produce upon that opportunity and they want me to uh, keep coming on, which I think they will. So um, again, thank you for listening. Every, every listen for, uh, you know, one of those episodes helps me out because it justifies me coming back on in the future. So uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I got I got to give a shout out to my guy Kyle Schmidt because he was the one that first kind of introduced me to, to the compound, and I was like, uh-huh. yeah, I need to check that out. And I I think what's cool about that podcast too is that it is players talking about a team, for instance, like they were talking yeah. about Theo's legacy, and I mean, it's just different. You don't I don't think there's a ton of podcasts out there where the actual no. players on the team are talking about basically like their their boss or former boss or their teammates or whatever. So pretty interesting, pretty awesome to to yeah. uh, to see that. And, and I think, and I maybe haven't said it before, but honestly, Ian's just a normal guy, man. Obviously, Zach and Dakota, they, you know, and to their credit as well, they're going to be in the big leagues in, I don't know, one to two years. Hopefully, Dakota's up with the team sooner than later. Um, Zach in Detroit as well. They're just normal guys, man. They're just, they're, they're, they're good at baseball. But they, they um, kind of interacted to uh, Theo's, departure the same way I did. I mean, I talked to Ian right after it happened, honestly. And, uh, he, uh, he called me actually when I was at work and I was like, you know, we were talking about it and I, I was like, did you know before? And he was like, dude, I had no idea. I just got a text from him and it was a, a surprise to him. Like it was a surprise for all of us. So again, they're just, they're regular guys, normal guys, down to earth people, which is what I respect. And, appreciate the most and again i'm very thankful for the opportunity um and the opportunity to have the relationship that i have so far so it's been a lot of fun i'm very appreciative for it yeah keep doing your thing because you know i i mean i do this as a hobby and i think it's cool when other people are kind of doing their thing passion whatever it is whatever you want to call it uh, you know, and, you know, I was talking with someone earlier. He was, he was like, a, he's a freelance journalist and, you know, he, I was like, dude, I think it's cool that you, 
you know, kind of just you're doing your thing. You're you've been successful at it. You know, you don't have to go be like a buy the book this or that. You can kind of get started somewhere, and, and then yeah. I can look up to you guys. So yeah, keep doing your thing. Like I'm just doing this for fun. Who knows how big it'll ever get, but you know, if if other people can do it, it's kind of it, it gives other people hope. You know, so yeah, just keep doing your man. thing. So absolutely, yeah. I I appreciate it. Thank you. I think it's very important for. I mean, and I, I, I would tell a lot of people, I think it's very important for people to express, um, you know, themselves in different ways. And granted, social media can be, you know, tough at times, but um, I've kind of learned along the way that, in my opinion, there are, there are more benefits than, uh, I'm sorry, there's more positives than negatives. Just being able to talk to people like you, other people, whatever it may be, um, when you have those positive interactions and um people can kind of we simply just have a conversation and and uh get to know a little bit more about someone um it's great and you can always uh there's other people out there that that can be uh that can offer just the the uh i don't know backdrop if you have any issues whatever it may be it's it's um it's been fun and i'm very thankful for the opportunity to interact with every everyone out there it's it's been fun and i'm very thankful for it exactly well put before i let you go not to put you on the spot what can i do to get a twitter follow oh i'll follow you after will no worries i'll follow you just have me back on your podcast if you want if you need me on a podcast again just let me know i'll be happy to come absolutely on. yeah absolutely i will definitely i will definitely uh hit you up definitely chat with you more this was a lot of fun i really appreciate it i know we had a back and forth trying to figure out a good time but i totally understand uh yeah thanks again for coming on absolutely keep doing your thing man and i hope the podcast podcast continues to grow Absolutely. Well, I uh, hope you have a good rest of the night, good weekend, and yeah, I'll chat with you real soon. All right. Thanks, Will. I appreciate it. Have a good night. The theme music for this podcast is courtesy of my guy, John Christian. He has a band called Let It Sleep. It's on Spotify. You can catch this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Go ahead, rate it five stars, leave a review. Three, two, one, zero, zero. Yeah,